to our program. All right, yeah, so our next one, this one's one for you to announce too because I've already worn myself out with it. Most transactions in the season. Won something again here. Not a championship, but TD's at 137. <laughs> Probably more than the next two combined. No, no, it's it's not that. But the top two, which would be you and Steven, are more than I think the rest of the league combined. Oh, I, I, I can buy that. Yeah. You said the average is 60, so. Yeah, and so as a comparison, the least transactions, why don't you run with that one too? So Vito came in at the least transactions of 19. So 128 difference, 118, sorry. Yeah, no, 118 less than you, or basically one-fifth. So I moved some players around. Yeah, my fingers know that. I like dollar lottery tickets. I'm sorry. Can't help myself. Never buy them at the store, but eh, Ian's got the work to do here. So <laughs> so we, we can keep chipping away at them. You were first, Stephen. The Buffalo Pollocks was a pretty strong second. I was third, and then everyone else after that with a pretty pretty decent size margin. But no, so that's the thing. If If you take all the transactions on the season and just look at an average by team, it was about 60. So you were about double the average. Yeah, I probably, probably had 40 transactions in the preseason. Yeah, but it, it's funny. I mean, if anything, this illustrates that you can have different strategies and that they work. You, me, and Steven were the three with by far and away the most transactions. And we were three of the six playoff teams. But the other guy in the finals was the guy with the least transactions. So, I mean, obviously that worked for him. Right. You know, yeah, get the players you need and play them. Mm-hmm. Good thing we're not paying for a transaction. Good thing it ain't one of them leagues. Oh, yeah. I I don't know. I know leagues to do that, but I don't think it would be fun for me to do that. Although, man, you could pay the whole prize pool that way. <laughs> Average of 60, so that means there's 720 transactions. Even if we threw a bucket transaction, that, that'd raise the prize pool. Well, it would, but would it also then discourage transactions? Nope. I just owe you $137. Well, for you, maybe. But that, that's why I don't charge for them because I don't know. I, I, know, could, I know what you're saying. You could make an argument on both sides. But well, it I, might discourage towards the end. Like, I'm, I'm not really in this. I'm not really going to make the transactions here. Why am I going to pay a dollar for that? Yeah. Yeah, I just I see it as something that could wind up ultimately being bad for the league. So, yeah, really, it comes down to you and Steven are the reason that uh, we right now have 907 players that have been on rosters in our league from the beginning. Yeah, that, that's quite a few. Well, yeah, I'm going to cut it down. I'm going to go for the lowest this year. Yeah, I'll hold my breath. Yeah, I can't help it. All right, we're on the scoring kings. Yeah, yeah, back to it. So, yeah, what this is is a, a breakdown te- of overall team scoring. So based on who you started every every week at at each position, and then uh, overall for offense and defense, and then just as a comparison to show how close it was or wasn't, I recorded the second place team as well. But I, I didn't focus on the last place. I mean, the teams that had a bad season, they know who they are. Yeah, we don't need to bang on them anymore. Yeah. So yeah, starting off, this should be no surprise, seeing that you were fielding the uh, the MVP of the league there with Josh Allen, but. Uh, Scoring king for the quarterback position this season was uh, show me your TDs, 
And then the regular season, you put up 393.2 quarterback points. So pretty, pretty fine showing there. Yeah, I mean, I had the number one quarterback in the week or two that I didn't play him. I had the number five quarterback on the bench was Stafford. So, yeah, no, that uh, five weeks didn't even kill me. That worked out pretty well for you. And so that was 393.2. So right about 20 points ahead of second place. So Hackenberg put up 374.2. Yeah, I looked at He's going with uh, Justin Herbert there, who's going to be a force to be reckoned with here for a couple of years anyways also. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's who carried him to it. But without looking at it, you would have, you know, the names that you would have drifted to were Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, maybe even Brady, who, who was at the top for a while, but he, he struggled more towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, so Hackenberg with Justin Herbert, second place with, a, like I said, a, a 19, actually exactly 19 point gap between first and second there. All right, running backs also no surprise with Jonathan Taylor over there. Well, and, and it was the tandem, Jonathan Taylor, and for the first half of the season, Derrick Henry for uh, number crunchers being the scoring kings in the running back department with 598.5 points. The second place team, my purple people eaters, fielding Najee Harris, or a mixture of Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin oh, Cook, and uh-huh. Cook and Madison. So not a shabby backfield at all, but 74.1 points behind. So just, wow, a big, big gap there. So I finished with 524.4 to number crunchers, 598.5. And if Henry don't get hurt, this number's even uglier. You're you're 100 under, 120 under probably. Yeah, I think if Henry don't get hurt, then number crunchers probably in the finals. Yeah, if Henry don't get hurt, because I'm just looking at Jonathan Taylor scoring this 362 points, and he was probably going to be the number two back if Henry kept playing, oh, you're, Henry. Looking at, you're looking at 700 points on him. Oh, yeah. Henry was well ahead of Taylor at the point that he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, he stayed the number one back for another three weeks after he got hurt. Like, he was having a heck of a season. Yeah, exactly. Again, something we're going to have to contend with next year. Yeah. Them two backs are going to pound the shit out of the points against us. Yeah. So, right. next, uh, scoring king for wide receivers Buffalo Polox at 682. Yeah. Steven has wide receivers like you have running backs. Oh, yeah. They're like He's... falling out of his ass, and he could start his bench guys and still be up near the top of the scoring. I bet. You mean he wouldn't be going into the championship week starting fucking Byron Pringle? No, he would not be starting Byron fucking Pringle. <laughs> no, Steven's done very good with the wide receivers. He's completely stacked over in that position, and 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 they're young. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'll slide in there while we're looking. That uh, second place, and this one surprised me a little bit, the second place for wide receiver scoring was actually the boys in black at uh, 640.8, so 42 points behind, which that's not a big one. You know, that's not a real big gap considering we start uh, – three wide receivers rather than two with running back. Oh, Fisher's the other one that has, you know, he's really good at wide receiver. I know me and you don't love Jarvis Landry, but again, just a guy that produces and he's rolling with Cup had a monster year for him. Oh, yeah, big time. T. Higgins is coming on. Yeah. You almost have to worry more about uh, these guys with these young wide receivers than the guys with the uh, the number crunchers with the running backs. Running backs yeah. age out fairly quickly. These, 
this will be another one that we're going to have to deal with these receivers for a long time. Yeah. You know, I, I pride myself on getting a bunch of good wide receivers. It didn't completely work out for me this year because they were all hurt. But um, yeah. yeah. You know what? It's the core of their team right now. Yeah. Both of them, if they get the running backs right, they're, they're going to be very scary teams. Oh, sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right. Tight ends. Yeah. So for tight ends, we're back to the number crunchers with a total of 200.3 tight end points on the season. A uh, little surprising. Not, not that I don't like Mark Andrews, but wasn't thinking he was going to get him there. No, no, I, I wouldn't have thought so either. I mean, obviously, the, the the one you always look at is Kelsey. Every year for the last five, six, seven years, whatever it's been. Kelsey and Kittle, and I see kick-ass Kistner is actually number two, the 198.5. Yeah, and, and that's, that's with that's with, Yeah, with Kittle having missed part of the season. Even. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and no, then the I, other one, the other one you would have thought, obviously, is you got Waller. But I know he spent a lot of the year hurt as well. Yeah, yeah, he got banged up and hasn't been right for at least half the year. But, yeah, Mark Andrews was a little surprising to me. I actually didn't completely pay attention to that. And one day I was just kind of looking around. I was like, man, Mark Andrews really having a big year. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is their main guy in that offense, though. And yeah, Jackson, Jackson loves him. Yeah, and you know what? We, we talk about this also in the offseason, like, quarterbacks that like tight ends jackson's just one of them that likes that big tight end there yeah yeah andrew's a pretty young guy i think too i tell you what though it makes that uh that crazy rfa contract from a few years ago not seem quite so crazy though (laughs) no it was still a little crazy yeah what did he get up to like 120 bucks or something yeah something crazy yeah i know it took Took some moving around, jostling around for him to float back to his $56 contract that he currently has. Yeah, he's only 26 years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, seven, eight years left? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, barring injury or whatever, that that seems realistic. Yeah, so just kind of looking at number crunchers will be something we have to deal with here for a little bit. He's got the the two running backs there and the tight end, and you know when you got the number – one scoring tight end there it gives you a distinct advantage over everybody else it certainly um, does yeah and then the two running backs again that's what, what we're all skimming to get right yeah so the the two hardest positions to fill is where he's the strongest so yeah yeah and it, it this is definitely one of the thinner margins out there though so again that was number crunchers with 200.3 points and second place was kick-ass kistner at 198.5 so just under two points behind was all. Yeah, and like you said, Kittle did miss a bunch of time this year. Yeah. Kittle always misses a bunch of time. But when he plays, he's as good as he gets. Yeah. And Kelsey is slowing down a little bit. Yeah, he's starting to hit that age. I think what is he, 31 this year? 32. Okay. Yeah, I knew he was getting up there. Yeah, you're probably down to your last two or three years. And it's gonna be the two or three Antonio Gates, you know, pre-retirement years that Probably still a top 10 sort of guy, but, and it wouldn't be crazy if next year he was number one again, but he's going to get to that point where you're starting to, starting to decline at that age. Absolutely. And as we say this, I'm just looking at his number. So he was out on COVID last week and didn't play. So the week before he had 10 catches for 191 yards and two touchdowns. That's not a bad day out. No, cool. Uh, 38 points out of your tight ends. Not bad, but yeah, he, he's definitely at the age. I mean, it's, He's not going to get better from here on in. Yeah. And it's yeah. going to be hard for him to even maintain the same at that age. So, yep. 
Yeah, so the next one is uh, the flex position. This is one of my favorite ones to key on when I'm doing in-season research because I think your flex starters say a lot about the depth of your team. And uh, in this case, first place was actually you. Show me your TDs with uh, 280.2 points out of your flex position. I like to build my teams deep. I did. Uh, I always have, even in redraft leagues, I build my teams deep. I, I just think you always run into injuries and problems and well, COVID this year. And I, I don't want to have to start Byron Pringle in the finals. You know? <laughs> yeah, me either. But yeah, I, a little, I, 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 put, I put a lot of effort into having some depth and not just a guy on my bench. Yeah. So you were second. You were only two points behind me. Yeah, yeah, just under. I was at 278.5. But again, I, I do have decent depth on my team. And even the By- Byron Pringle thing has to do, I already read off all my receivers that are on the COVID list, but I've got a whole room full of okay-ish receivers. Just they're all on COVID, all of them. I mean, and Mike Evans with this hammy, but I mean, looking at mine, though, I do have good depth, but this really plays into the to the strategy I have of maintaining as many, really four to five, that's the number that I shoot for, top-end running backs. My flex every single week, 100% of the time, barring multiple injuries, is going to be a running back. And, and this is just a reflection of that. But, you know, Najee Harris spent most of his year, most of his season as a flex play for me. So, yeah, it, it, this tell, tells me that it's working. You know, being a point and a half out of first place in that in that uh, category, but uh, yeah, it's just a little bit of a different focus than how I think most people build their team. Yeah, you build you build your depth at the running back position. Yeah, that, that's just uh, that, that's one of the big differences between when I say I build depth and you say you build depth. You're building it at one position. I I don't care where it is. I just need some depth. And I and I don't mind putting a receiver in there. This, this year happened to work out that I did use a running back most of the time because yeah. I I did end up with a, a a slew of you know top fifteen guys. But uh, yeah, yeah, you you go what five deep at running back? Yeah, so that's, you're, you're not hurting. Yeah, yeah. So like what it morphed into even this season was four deep, but then with really capable handcuffs you know, like Madison. I don't know at this point, is Madison the number one handcuff in the NFL? I mean, it sure seems like it. Yeah, nothing else pops to mind if he's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if he's not number one, then he's number two or three, whatever. But I mean, he's consistently getting above 20 points every time he gets the starting role when when Cook sits. So. Right. And, and I think we'll go through this in the offseason a little bit. You know, there's two different schools of thought on them, the whole handcuff thing. It's either a wasted spot or it's good. Yeah. You know what? It, and we've said it before, as long as you know he's the guy and he's going to produce, handcuffs are good. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I use mine every single year. Like, I'm not in the position I'm in this year without Madison on my team, which I, I mean, I traded for him midseason. But before that, I had uh, Damian Harris, who was just another good starter. But if you know it's the guy, you, you can't go wrong with having your handcuffs. They're running backs. Which running backs don't miss time? Yeah, none of them. Not a single one. The, the only one I can think offhand is Jonathan Taylor right now that actually hasn't, uh, of a top back that hasn't missed time. Well, but in the second year of his career, I mean, you, right. won't, be able to, you won't be able to say that anymore two years from now. I, I 100% guarantee it. Exactly. Even the super durable guys are still, they're missing a game or two. 
Yeah. And you and, and you have to to know that and you have to get their replacement. Yeah. All right. And so with that, for overall offensive scoring, going back to show me your TDs with a total of 1,880.4 points on offense this season. So just a, I mean, it makes sense. You were the number one in, uh, in quarterback, number one in, in flex, you know, probably not anywhere farther than three or four in receiver. I had a tough receiver year. I might be down there a little bit. Yeah. So now you were number three in receiver, four in tight end and uh, three in running back as well. So anyways, all of that adds up to obviously say that, uh, yeah, you're the number one offense. Uh, again, I, I push for the offense more than the defense, but I, I don't ignore my defense. Yeah. But the offense is where the, the biggest numbers are scored there. The number crunchers is what, 84 points behind me? Uh, or not, sorry, 64. Yeah, there you go. Which, again, makes sense. He had the big running back numbers, which was the biggest gap of anybody there at any of the number one tight ends. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense he was up there. Obviously, Keith had a big season, too, with the number crunchers. But, yeah, they were a fairly fairly wide margin behind you. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big year for you. And obviously, that, that makes sense when you look at the overall scoring on the season as well, that you were 200-and-something points ahead of the next best teams. Right. Yeah, for you, it all started with your offense and had a pretty decent defense as well, of course. Yeah, again, the defense scores points, even though some people don't put some time into them. But you know what? then points matter too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're, oddly enough, going to jump into that right now. So going to defensive line scoring. First overall, this is getting to be pretty familiar. It's show me your TDs with 218 points from the defensive line, which that's a pretty good number there. So I, everything I touched on that defensive line this year turned to go. I, I'm sitting on five or six defensive linemen right now that, I, I won't be able to carry all next season. At least I don't think I'm going. Yeah. And they all just produced. It, it just, for whatever reason, I looked at a defensive lineman and he just turned to Gormy. Sure. I mean, some, some of this is some foresight, you know, getting Hassan Reddick in the offseason before this all started. And, and Brian Burns has developed well for me. But, like, I looked at Robert Quinn, picked him up, and he has not scored under double-digit points for me since I picked him up, put him in the line. Yeah. So, yeah, the defensive line, and we talked about this before also. It, it's a little tough sometimes when you're trying to get the right guy and guy that plays better than 60% of the time, but they're, they're yeah. out there. And I know I'm getting a pretty good deal on most of my linemen too. So Yeah, so for comparison, you were four and a half points ahead of the green wall who came in at 213.5. So you're going to see that in defense, though, is that the, uh, the groupings tend to be a little bit tighter than, than what you find on offense for the most part. Well, we talked about this with that one chart that you made there, that in the defense, you just have to be up into that average or slightly above average range to, to yep. be okay with the whole thing. You just don't want to be the outlier being very low on the whole thing. Yeah. 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 So moving on to linebackers, the uh, number crunchers in this case, first place with 244 points from their linebacking core. Pretty solid number there. And again, as a comparison, you'll see the grouping is pretty tight here. You got the Legion of Boom just two points behind, 242. Yeah, not overall a surprise with, like you said, number crunchers being the second highest scoring team in the league. Yeah. You have to finish one in a couple of these categories along the way here. Yeah. Like you said, not not a big gap, but you, you know what? Uh, I know Darian's in the, the rebuild there. 
Don't have to rebuild the linebackers. There's a plus for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was pretty strong there. Although, I mean, Bobby Wagner's getting up there in age. So, Bobby Wagner's old, isn't he? 32. But linebackers can play a little later usually. He's probably got another year or two with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep the linebackers together, Darian. And just one last spot you got to worry about during your rebuild. Yeah. 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 Cause he's got some young guys there too. He's got that Zayvon Collins and, uh, oh, who's the other one? They picked up last year, the Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons, Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got those two waiting in the wings for him. And he's got that El Shazir. Oh yeah. That, that was a mid season pickup that really worked for him. That that's almost the pickup of the year there. That, that guy just kept producing, producing, producing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we'll gladly take a point for that. I think we did point them out. Yeah, we did. We did on that one. Good job, you know, for Darian, for listening. Absolutely. And he he was almost going to be my surprise player of the year, but I have something different. All right. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, adding a little bit more color to it. For my group, I was fourth in linebackers on the season, and I'm at 235 points. So just nine points behind the first place. And, And that's what I mean by the groupings being a lot tighter on defense. Is we had some of them where first and second on offense were also only two points apart. Uh, like tight end, for example. Tight end was two points apart. Um, Mark Andrews with number crunchers was number one. Kittle for Kickass Kistner was number two. But then if we drop down to number four, that's actually you. And so it was uh, number crunchers at 200 points, Kistner at 198. And fourth place was you at 148. So 50 points back in those in those spots. And, and that's just a quick illustration of, of what I mean is that you have a lot of defensive talent clustered near the top. A lot of the time that put similar numbers up. And then with the offense, it tends to be more of a spread pretty quickly after you get past that, that third option there. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's always a lot of defense out there. So, so yeah, just kind of one quick illustration of the stuff that we talk about sometimes. So the next one though, Defensive backs, first place, Buffalo Pollocks at 229.5. And again, for comparison, second place was the Green Wall at 220. So just nine and a half points back. Oh, so, one, so one of the bigger gaps here is first and second place. So so you should definitely be spending money there. You know, get that upper echelon talent. We'll finish that, number three or four. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to do it for sure. Um no, I tell you what, Steven's got a fair amount of money invested into a secondary. And I guess if you're going to do it, do it this way, where it actually paid off. Like, you know, that that is an advantage for week in and week out. So kind of doing the same comparison there, 229 and a half at first place. He he is measurably better than most other teams at uh, at defensive back. That, yeah. that was complete sarcasm. I, I don't always believe the secondary is giving you the best bang for your buck. I mean... Steven had a solid season. It gives him some edge, some advantage in that position. And obviously, as we were talking about earlier, he's he's still put together a heck of a roster. So it's not like spending that money on a secondary has kept him from building his team otherwise. Well, sure. That that's always the point against when we, you know, we we've brought up him spending the money on a secondary. Yeah. He's always a second first, second, or third high scoring team. So must be doing something right. Yeah. Just a different philosophy on to build it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's all it comes down to. I mean, it's definitely working for him. All right, next again is uh, defensive flex. And this first place is my Purple People Eaters at 260 points. 
followed by the second place is Buffalo Pollocks at 255. So again, fairly tight grouping. And for this one, for me, it's it's all about, I do linebackers a lot like I do uh, running backs, that I try to build up a pretty thick stable of good guys. And, and those are my deflexes, is I just build up my linebacking core big enough to just plan on starting two linebackers 99% of the time when I set my defensive flexes. Yeah, that, that's also how I do it. I try to, the, the linebackers score more consistent. Yeah. So that, that's normally what I go with. Uh, a little surprising you weren't number one or number two in linebackers because you normally are right up at the top there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple things with that this year, but one, the guys that beat me out were just good. I mean, flat out. So actually Legion of Boom was in fourth place. Legion of Boom came in right at the last game. and Bobby Wagner scored like 32 points and that, that pushed him into second and pushed myself in that other spot. All right, so so there was a swing game involved recently. Yeah, it was a big game right the last week of the regular season. Bobby Wagner just went full ham and gave him the uh, second place on the on the year. Bobby Wagner East. Oh yeah, yeah. And he knocked uh, Vito out of second in the third, and he knocked me out of third in the fourth. Okay. With that big game, yeah. A little it, surprising it, not seeing Vito on any of his leaderboards. I know he definitely puts effort into his defense. Oh, for sure. Well, so if you look at it, Vito ended up at third place in defensive line, third place in linebacker, and tied for third place in defensive backs, but we only talked about the first two spots. Okay. So that's still a heck of a defense. He's third, third, and third. Like, you know, that that ain't bad at all. It just worked out. But, but yeah, so that leads us to the overall defensive scoring. And, uh, yeah, that one goes to Buffalo Pollocks at 904 points on defense. Just, uh, what, 25 points ahead of the green wall at 879. Yeah, is your math right here? What? If I scored 1880 on offense, I scored 2800 total. Should I not score 1,000 points on defense? Yeah, let's look real quick, see what we got. So one thing is kicker points are not included. This is actually a good test because I sometimes, I, I do worry about, you know, if I have all my spreadsheet set up right and everything, I'm doing the math wrong anyway. Yeah, we said 1880 on offense. And your total defense was 866. Oh, the rest would have been a kicker. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, it, it works out. So so your kicker scoring on the year was 76. Okay. So it does make sense. You got it right. Yeah. No, it's, it's good to just go and check the, you know, backwards check the math every now and then. Like I spot check it and stuff. But yeah. So anyways, we were saying uh, Stephen had 904 points total on defense as for first place. And so just as a comparison, that's 900 defensive points for the number one team compared to 1880 for the number one offensive team. So right about half. And I, I know we've talked about this a bunch of times, even tonight, but that was actually the design of it, is your top defensive players were always designed to score about half of what your top offensive players do. And so in that sense, it's working. But I'm just wondering with the dynasty league where you're actually building something year over year, if it doesn't make sense to add that emphasis. So it's not that the defensive scoring isn't where it should be in quotation marks or where it was expected to be when it was all set up. But I wonder if we wouldn't want to kick it up a little bit. So that top defensive team is in the 1200 range rather than the 900. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier of years. We don't just go and say 25% bump and it starts next year. Cause then all of a sudden the guys that, have 
have looked at it, done, you know, done their assessment and said, oh, the defense isn't worth investing in. Now they get screwed for having that strategy. So again, we do it. There'd be a year lag and do it. And we'd probably do it in steps. You know, maybe we vote for it, like I said, 10% at a time and slowly bring the defense up. So it's, you know, just a more viable part of your team. So it carries a similar weight to what your offense does. Right. So it's, you know, you have to look at to see what the number is, where you want it to be 60% of the offense. Well, so it's 50% right now. And I'm kind of thinking if we get it in the 70 to 75% range, then it at least makes your top defensive talent be comparable to mid-range offensive talent. So you can maybe see some, some trades and stuff make sense that way. I mean, honestly, if you look at it in the NFL, it's just as likely to see a top five or top 10 pick in the NFL draft be a defender as it is an offensive player. And, and of course, running backs get mistreated, whatever. But in some cases, it's more common. And I'm not trying to make it like that. So it's 50-50 and your best defensive lineman, you know, you could trade him for a quarterback. That's not what I'm going for. But I'm just wondering, in a long-term league like this, if we don't want to just get a little bit more emphasis on those defensive guys. So if it gives you a little bit more, it would also give you a uh, another way to build your team? Yeah, yeah. And, and it gives you more avenues to trade in and out of positions too. So, right. You know, now all of a sudden DeAndre Hopkins for, oh, I don't know, Melvin Gordon and Roquan Smith maybe makes sense. Right. Where yeah, right yeah. now, right now a defensive player would be nothing more than a throw in on any trade that you do. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, this discovery here is the reason I keep all this information on this spreadsheet. Then I can come back and look at it and say, oh, well, that is interesting that maybe this tweak should happen. That's why there's 37 tabs on the sheet with all sorts of data in it. So, yeah, anyways, that's our scoring kings there. So congratulations, everyone. I guess at the end of the day, you don't, it doesn't make a difference, but it is kind of interesting to know who is on top at each spot. Absolutely. You, you know where you rank in the whole league now. We're on to our, our records. So our highest scoring records of the season. Our highest scoring week this year was done by the number crunchers who put up a game of 244.82 points in one week. Just huge game. And that's third all time. So the third highest scoring game put up by any team in the league since the beginning of the league. Do you know, do you have what's number one and two? Yeah. So number one is you from last season. You put up a game that was 280.58 points in week 12 of last year. Wow. I don't even remember that, but okay. And then that's a score. Yeah. Then number two was me in the 2019. So in our first season, week eight, I put 252.9 up. Yeah. And then number three, like I just said, Augie, this season, 244.8. Then, yeah, Jeremy, maintenance woes. Hackenberg had a 242 point game this season. Yeah. So maintenance woes as number five. Number seven and number eight, all from 2019, 243, 242, and 240, which is why Maintenance Post was the champ in the first season. I was going to say he had a big season that, that year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no surprise, the uh, number one individual player performance of the year was also number crunchers with Jonathan Taylor putting up 56.9 points in week 11 of this year. Just wow. And that's number one overall in the history of this league. Quarterbacks included? Yeah, everything. Wow. Yeah, he did have a monster game there. I'm sure yeah. you remember it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's the week I played number crunchers. That's the reason I wasn't the uh, that performance is the reason I wasn't the regular season champ this season. Yeah, all against my Bills defense. <laughs> yeah, I think they're struggling to stop the run. Well, they were that week. Holy cow! Jonathan Taylor's a monster. Yeah, yeah. So number two on the list that was you last year with Tyree Kill put up fifty three point nine. Uh, my first season, Aaron Rodgers had a game of 53.7. Dalvin Cook last year had 52.1. Yeah, Herbert this year, week five, 51.8. Then Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Jones, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett round out the top 10 ever. Dude, it is so hard to win on that week that they just do this goofy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. When that happens, you just, you're just like, whatever. Well, that's the thing. When you look at the overall score for 17 starters, if you're having a good week, it's just above 200. So at the point one player puts up 50, yeah, it, it really tilts things. Yeah. 40 is starting to get scary. Not starting to. 40 is scary. Oh, 30, yeah. 35 is starting to get to that threshold where you're like, God damn it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that 40 and then 50 and 56, it's like, fuck, nothing I can do about this. Yeah. Yeah. League average has to be around 180, 185 points. And this guy scores almost a third of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked scoring was up, you know, uh, actually a fair amount this season. Um, But, yeah, so this season actually. So, league average on this season was uh, 173 points. That's what the average team put up week in, week out. If you take what everyone played every week and just average it out. He put up a third of the third of the average points in one player. Yeah. Yeah, that'll you 168. Yeah. That'll typically lead to a, a win for you. Yes, it will. <laughs> All right. So the final two, we've got uh the surprise player of the year. Good. So this is the player that came out of nowhere that you didn't expect to have the season they did. And well, and as the name implies, surprised you. So why don't you start with this one? So my surprise player of the year. So I I looked at it, and I don't know what criteria you use for this, Ian, but I, just, I looked at this as someone you just didn't even know their name, and, and, and they had a big year. You know what? Mine's Elijah Mitchell. Sure, yeah. Like, he came from nowhere. There is not one of us that were even looking at him. None, barely any of us knew who his name was. I guess we did. We did our pre-draft homework, but, man, did not see that one coming. I don't know. I know he's been banged up the last couple of weeks, so I don't exactly know where he finished, but that's, he was just having a monster year. And one of the biggest surprises about it is it was for San Francisco who never uses the same back two games. Yeah. So like, well, he's number 12 in average right now of points, but um, yeah, just, just a monster year there. I would have named two or three other backs off that team that I thought led that team in, in rushing and scoring before, Elijah Mitchell. I mean, we, we went Mozart, uh, Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon. Oh, yeah. Elijah Mitchell was the fourth one you would have thought about on that list. But, yep. uh, yeah, just a monster year. Good good pick up there. Very unfortunate for some people that he's an RFA. Uh, <laughs> he, he's going to command money. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. Get we can't say this out. enough to everybody. You know what? You, you can sign him for a dollar or five or put him on the two-year because you know what? If you got him for a dollar right now, he's going to be a hundred next year. Oh yeah. So just just a name that just came out of any, nowhere. 
Yeah, no, that one that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so for mine, this is probably pretty easy one to figure out for everyone. If you're sitting there wondering, no surprises here. It's Scorderell Patterson, you know, with the eighth year breakout. Like the guy, I've always loved the guy. You know, he was drafted by the Vikings fucking back in 1973 or something like that. And just bounced around the NFL and just no one's ever figured out how to use him. But he's always been so he's a good player. He's just so fucking fast. And no one ever managed to figure out what to do with him. And then here's that Arthur Smith picks him up, says, well, yeah, you're going to basically do everything. And uh, yeah, it just worked. I mean, I'm not sure where he is in scoring either this year, but it's a lot higher than what anyone expected. I guarantee that. Yeah, last I looked, he was like a top five at running back or something. Something like that. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's just been a heck of a season for him. He's number 16 in average right now at running back, but he's also been banged up. Yeah. He's number eight at wide receiver. Yeah, no no one's seen this coming. And you know what? You see how fast this guy is, and he is. You watch him running. He looks like he runs like me, like he's running like a rhinoceros, but man, does <laughs> it fly. Oh, yeah. It's just an awkward, goofy run, and it's like, holy shit, this guy can go. Yeah. And he's another one, if I'm not mistaken, RFA. Yeah. Free, yeah. free agent pickup for cheap, RFA, not so much. Yeah. What's Cordero Patterson? 70 bucks? Yeah, I don't know if he gets quite that high. Oh, only because. 50. Yeah, I, I think probably 50 is getting there. I mean, that, that's the thing is he's, I'm pretty sure he's over 30. Like his rookie year was 2013. Gotta be 30, right? He is 30. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a player you can let go easily. He's going to go for some money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Even given his age, I think you'd be crazy not to match if you have the if you know the little guy has the money in his budget for it. But oh, absolutely! You know he's not going to be a six-year player, but could you get one or two more? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, until he shows you he can't do it, right now you kind of have to assume that that Smith's got his number. And they're they're going to keep using him. Yeah, great year for him. I love seeing the eight, eighth-year breakout guys. Oh yeah. Because you know what? You just know that they put in the time and they just didn't give up. And you know what? Good for him. I mean, may, maybe this is the best we ever see out of him is this year, but just a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. That I especially like it too. Um, have you ever heard this guy talk or anything? No. Just a good guy. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. it just, yeah, it just seems like a down to earth. Doesn't sound like a fucking idiot when you hear him talk and stuff. It just, you like to see the guys that are kind of humble and thankful to be where they are and stuff like that. You like to see them do well, so, or I do anyway. All right. And then our final category here is uh, also surprise player of the year, but not so good. Uh, we'll let you go first. Uh, right. We'll let you go first again. So, uh, again, he was a little injured this year, but even with not injured, man, did he not produce and just. You know, you got you got some players that are some key players on your team, and you're just thinking that he's one of them. And I went with Allen Robinson. Oof, yeah. In average scoring, he's an 83rd wide receiver. Does not have a double-digit game this year. Like, when you go and get Allen Robinson paying for him an RFA at $103, uh, you're, you're expecting him to be a centerpiece here. You yeah. Know, you, you at the – he should be your best player or second best player on your team when you're paying him that kind of money. 
Like, just what a fall from grace. And I know that quarterbacking's a mess over there, but they're no worse than anything else he's ever played. He's never had a quarterback. But, yeah, that that just, man, what a disappointing year out of him. You know, yeah. especially going through our RFA, like I said, he got up to 103 bucks and not even to deliver you a double-digit game this year. 9.9, yeah. he scored once, 9.8 once, and then his next game after that is 7 points. Like, that is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. All right. So, on to me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of choices. And, honestly, A-Rob might have been a better one than mine. But I got to tell you, the guy that I think we all thought was coming to break out and be, like, the next big thing at receiver in the NFL, like, you know, has was handed the alpha role in what's normally a high-flying, high-pass volume offense. and just the world at his fingertips has already had some success in the NFL. Julio Jones moves out of the way. It's time for the Calvin Ridley show, you know, coming in that long succession of Roddy white, you know, obviously Julio Jones. Now it's Calvin Ridley. And what happened? Like that's the whole thing too is, you know, it's like that year that Telvin Smith disappeared from the NFL and you're just like, what? Like it just doesn't even, it, it doesn't even add up. You know, of course you want to, being a child molester. Hopefully that's not Ridley's excuse too, but, um, but yeah, Calvin Ridley, like, man, talk, I mean, he's like the Honda killer of the NFL, like from first to absolute worst, like even when he was playing, he wasn't doing great. And then just, I'm, I'm stepping away from football and I don't know, man, it just, my head's still spinning from that whole mess. Yeah. You know what? I hope he's actually all right. Cause he said yeah. it was for some mental illness. Yeah. mental issues but yeah him just like uh robinson here like you expected him to be the centerpiece of your team like he was going to lead your wide receiver group and maybe just not yours maybe the league's wide receiver group he was going to lead he i think that was finished at that number two number three number one possibly and just did not produce and then just walked away and you were just left not even knowing what he's doing. Like he didn't say I'll be back in a week or a month or next year. He just, I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. High, high disappointment there. Again, another high dollar player too, but nonetheless. Oh yeah. What's he in our league? 120 bucks, something like that. Yeah. He, he got way up there for in RFA. Yeah. And again, cause we all thought, you know, Oh, Julio Jones is out of the way and, He's going to slide into that role and he's had success up until now. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sure next year, maybe the year after something like that, something's going to come out about what happened with him, but man, just wow. Yeah. When he was going in RFAs, I mean, I, I know, I know I mess with people a lot the way I've been and stuff, but like, I was not messing around. I thought he was going to be the guy. And I have not met a wide receiver. I don't like yet. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he's $120.50 on a five-year contract, no less. So, like, yeah, he, he was signed to be the centerpiece of the team, and it just it just did not work. I, I Like you said, I hope the guy's not a child molester or, or a gangbanger or anything like that. Uh, yeah. I've never really heard any riffs about Kelvin Ridley anywhere. I've not, not heard any bad stories about him anyway. So, yeah. So, no, and that, that's what made it such a surprise is he's not one of these guys that was suspended a bunch of times or, you know, nothing like that. Just, man, that was, there's been plenty of craziness in the NFL, but that was the craziest story to me is that 
you know, like I said, he wasn't having a great season, but he was having a good one and seemed like he had moved into that spot. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, there, there's been a few disappointments this year. But, yeah, that them are probably two of the most. Yeah. Yeah, projected pro football focus before the season started. Projected him 152 targets, 127 catches for 1,577 yards. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right on board there. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that seemed realistic. Yep. The sleeper update uh, 11 days ago. Falcons head coach Arthur Smith said Wednesday he doesn't have an update on Ridley, who remains on the reserve non-football injury list due to a personal matter. Yeah. So time will tell. But yeah, that one was mine for this season. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely a blow there. So it, yeah. It was almost easier finding the uh, – the surprise bad players than it was the surprise good players or a couple of bad players. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you see the good ones coming usually, you know, I mean, they're either listed as a sleeper or, or something. Someone predicts someone's going to do well, but yeah, both those two came out of nowhere. Like, like you said, Eliza Mitchell figured to be the fourth guy on his depth chart at that position. And yeah. Cordarell, everyone's gone through the years where they predicted his breakout and it just never happened. So can it can turn very quickly on you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Luther knows. Yeah. Well, shoot. Look, I mean, I would have projected you and the number crunchers to be the two in the finals this season. Yeah, it just that, that's why we play the game, right? Absolutely. It's a head to head league. All right, Ian, any parting thoughts here? Uh no, I think we pretty much covered it, you know. Good luck this week. I don't know if you're hoping to get third or fourth, but so I don't have my first round pick, so I'm playing for the money. No, there you go. My my first round pick actually goes to Honda Killers. Oh, okay. And I have Steven. So I told Steven I traded my first round pick because I thought it'd be worse than his. And I was right, but it might only be like one spot, but hey. Still sooner. Still sooner. Which that's good. I mean, Steven's one of those people you don't want drafting right in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah, Steven doesn't have a first-round pick due to, uh, yeah, James Robinson. Man, James Robinson even have a job next year? He should. Or an ACL. Is that what happened to him? I think so, yeah. Uh, if he tore his ACL, he's done. His his whole career's done. Undrafted, torn ACL. Yeah, nobody will ever give him another chance. Yeah. I thought he was good when he played this year. Oh, even worse. It's not a torn ACL. It's an Achilles tear. Yeah, his career very unfortunately is done. Yeah. So sad. Undrafted fucking free agent probably makes $150,000 a year. Probably made $300,000 fucking tore his ACL and he'll never make any more. Devontae Foreman came back, though. I mean, it's always possible, but Devontae Foreman was drafted. No, that's true. I just, I think Foreman's the first running back that's ever come back off a torn ACL and played reasonably well. Foreman's actually having a pretty solid year, filling. Yeah. I just think we're bidding $50 on McNichols. <laughs> and I don't yeah. even, he might be the third back there right now. They got that other kid, that Hilliard or whatever. Mm, yeah. Well, so it's obviously not what he would have expected, you know, from his career, but he is, uh, Robinson is on a three year, $2.3 million contract. He got paid six, 600 last year and 780 this year. Oh, fuck. I didn't think he was even making that kind of money. That's yeah. all right, then. You know he's going to get another year somewhere. I just don't know if he's going to get a real chance. Yeah. 
they won't cut him until he's healed, and he'll get that that check for next year. Eh, maybe yep. someone signs him. I mean, all right. I take it all back. Two two point two million for for that is you're all right. Yeah. Well, it still holds true. The young drafted back still hasn't rushed for a second thousand yard season. Yeah. It's still a rarity. Yeah. Yeah, he sure seemed like kind of one of the ones that would do it. All right, Ian. We good? Yeah, I think that pretty well covers it. Two AM. Only a four and a half hour episode. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of cutting to do. All right, man. Good luck tomorrow and I will talk to you. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Right. Bye. Okay, Ruby. See you tomorrow at five. How was it? Oh! Oh! oh. I, I have- Why?